0: Hello boys and girls, this is Randy Shepard with My Dog Hunts. I don't know why my mic sounds so tinny today, but I haven't been doing this for a couple of weeks, so maybe it's always sounded tinny. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, I think my last podcast, I started out on October 31st, hunting pheasants, opening day in Iowa. I invited a friend to go along. He doesn't have a dog. Uh, his dog, Twister, was an English setter, died about a year and a half ago, I think. And Russ has never bothered to get another dog because he knew he could always farm off me in chaos. I did caution him before we left on the six-day trip that I wasn't going to hunt chaos to the bone just to shoot birds for two guys, and he would just have to be happy with, with a few pheasants a day and that we would spend the rest of the time hunting dogless for sharptails. The sharptails, of course, would be once we got to South Dakota. We were to start in Iowa on Saturday and hopefully uh, shoot an early limit, go to Nebraska. He didn't want to buy a Nebraska license, but I already had mine. And I was going to, again, for I think the fourth time, try to take a double limit of pheasants in Iowa and Nebraska in the same day. And then late in the afternoon or early evening on Saturday, we'd drive the rest away to South Dakota where we would hunt for five days. Well, our trip started out really well. We uh, hunted a 80-acre public access field in western Iowa. We were the only hunters on it. And I can give you some clues. You want to pick a field, hopefully in the middle of a section, bordered by private. You want blacktop on as many sides of the field as you can get. And hopefully only have parking on the short ends instead of on a long side. Uh, those factors inhibit another group of hunters pulling in on you on the same field, especially when it's that small acreage. I picked a field that had a busy highway on one end, a gravel road on the opposite short end. And fortunately for us, nobody tried to work their way into this field while we were hunting opening morning. Rush shot well, me, not so much. And if I'd hit the only rooster that got away from us when we did one loop through this field, uh, we would have had our six birds at about, probably right around nine o'clock in the morning. Instead, I I missed one horribly. (laughs) We were back at the truck with five roosters when the game warden pulled up. I didn't get his name at the time, but from looking up on the internet, I think his name was Kirby Bragg. Hell of a nice guy. He was really amazed that we had five birds so quickly. He said we were the fourth group of hunters. He had checked that morning, and between the other three groups, they had only shot one pheasant, and they thought that the population was really down and said they were already talking about going home early. He re questioned us several times about whether we really had five pheasants, and I know he said wow a lot. I told him that we'd seen about a dozen roosters fly into some private wasteland right beside this public just before dark the evening before. And when I mentioned that to him, he looked in his rearview mirror and said, three of those roosters are standing in the middle of the road now. I grabbed my gun and chaos and scooted down the road. We only had to go about 200 yards. And uh, she got Bertie in the ditch on the same side of the road we'd been hunting. Put up a juvenile rooster. I shot him, and I think it was just a little after nine o'clock. And we were done with Iowa for the day. Russ told me as we were driving to Nebraska that those were the first pheasants he'd shot in since the last time we were hunting public in western Iowa when I had bow. And when I got home, I looked. That was in 2012. We had a long drive to where I wanted to hunt Nebraska, and I don't think. I think it was, I I know it was afternoon, well, afternoon, probably almost one o'clock before we got there, and we found another vehicle in the parking lot with a dog crate. Usually, when I hunted that opening day by that late in the day, there was no one there. Russ was perfectly happy to sit on the tailgate and clean our six birds from Iowa, and I instructed him to tag those as quickly as he could. We did take pictures, digital pictures, while we were in Iowa to make sure that there wouldn't be any problem if we ran into a game warden in Nebraska. And, of course, we had a game warden's inspection in Iowa that knew we had taken five birds previously, so we knew we were in good shape there. I grabbed Chaos, and I knew I was going to have three-eighths of a mile walk through a narrow neck of decent pheasant cover before I got into a big opening that was probably 300 acres. And if the guy in front of me had any dog at all, I was Pretty certain we weren't going to find a bird in that first three eighths of a mile. And I wasn't disappointed there. We did not. When Chaos and I got to the big opening, I was really disappointed. There was a lot of shouting going on in there, and I knew there was more than one guy. You know, there's nothing that ruins a hunt more for me than people out yelling and screaming, trying to find, trying to locate their dogs. It just, I've talked about this same cover and other episodes. It's head-high ragweed, willow tree draws, standing corn on one side, timber a half a mile deep and a half a mile long on one end, and just slightly less timber than that on the other end. It is no place to take a dog that you can't trust. Any of you that have listened to very many of my podcasts know that I am the world's worst dog trainer. (laughs) I'm the last guy you want to come to for advice. But Chaos is four years old, and I hunt her in standing corn. I hunt her in willow sloughs. I hunt her in cattails. I hunt her in standing sunflowers. I don't have to worry about her. Every 25 to 30 yards, she comes out to check to see if I'm ahead or behind her. And she adjusts her gait, goes back in, and every flushing dog I've ever owned has done that. I'm convinced it's because they know that if a bird gets up close, they're probably going to get a retrieve. And that is their incentive to hunt close. I think I've hunted Chaos for 18 or 19 days so far this year, and I have never blown my whistle. And I have never called out to her. I'll admit there have been a few times earlier in the first part of pheasant season in South Dakota when a reasonable guy would have been extremely upset and yelling, screaming at a dog like her to come back. But I just refuse to do that. When one of my dogs gets too far away, I just sit down. I don't chase them. I don't yell at them. I don't try to get their attention. I just sit down. It never takes very long for them to look around and figure out they're all alone out there, and they start looking for you. And if your dog doesn't care enough to try to find you when they can't, then, then you've got some real problems. I passed through some of the wimpier cover in that 300-acre chunk, hoping that it, all of the ground that I'd flushed pheasants out of before, but, you know, not the kind of thing that pheasants will go to when they've been pushed really hard just hoping that it was opening day and they hadn't been pushed that hard, but I think she flushed two hands. My other problem was that it was hot and dry and windy. As much as I tried to get Chaos to take a big drink at the truck before we left, she would refused. Fortunately, I knew we were going to cross a wet slough about an eighth of a mile in, and she took a good soaking and got a drink there. And then I knew we could hit a river in the back, um, and she could cool up, but there was only one bank that we could even get down. It was a very steep cut bank for the one side of this field, and there was only one spot that eroded enough that we could go down without one or both of us taking a long, wet trip downstream. Unfortunately, there were two fellow bird hunters standing on the bank right at that cut, yelling and screaming for their bird dog. I hated to turn back without getting chaos a drink but I felt like it was just opening day bad luck and I should circle wide and head back to the truck and find another place to hunt. On the way back, I decided to hit all the coarsest, heaviest cover I could because we didn't find any birds in the light stuff. And I don't think we'd walk for probably 100 or 150 yards when Chaos put up a juvenile rooster. And I shot him. She didn't have any trouble at all finding him. And all of a sudden, I was feeling a whole lot better. I got up on a high spot and saw another dark area about 200 yards from where we were. And when we worked our way through that, she flushed another rooster that I I really thought I hit hard. I marked him well. I went over and put a dead bird flag exactly where by the weed that he fell. But we looked for a long, long time, and Chaos never found that bird. I don't blame her at all. It was my fault. I, I, I should, I should have hit the bird harder. I can't imagine how caked with dust and pollen her nose was. I mean, it was very dry out there in Iowa and Nebraska both. In total, I lost uh, I lost three birds on that trip, all pheasants, um, and every one of them was a straightaway that I shot between 25 and 30 yards with an ounce and a quarter of sixes going 1,500 feet per second. And... I don't, they, they all tumbled out of the sky like dead birds. I, I'm really tempted to never shoot at a straightaway pheasant again or to go ahead and drop down to fours or fives, but those sixes do a really good job of mangling crossing birds, and I hate to see them any more busted up than the ones I'm already bringing home. When I reflect back on those birds, I think my problem is that I should be shooting six inches above them or maybe even a foot above them. I, that's the only thing I can think of that I'm hitting them too far back, but I think if any of you were hunting in Iowa Nebraska or South Dakota the first week of this uh the first week of November, you probably saw had the same experience that we did. It was hot seventy seventy five sometimes eighty degrees uh, windy, fifteen to twenty five miles an hour every day, and dry and dusty. South Dakota had dried out a lot since that snowstorm they had earlier. Well, by now, Chaos was really hot and thirsty, and I decided we need to make a quick trip back to that wet slough and get her a drink and cooled off, and then figure out where I was going to hunt the rest of the day. Well, while Chaos was splattering around in the moss and the muck, getting a drink, she swam to the other side. It was only about 30 feet across. And she clambered up the bank on the far side, made it about five feet into a standing cornfield, and flushed a rooster. Fortunately, he cleared the tops enough that I got a decent crossing shot on him, and we were back to our second pheasant in Nebraska. This was all a surprise to me, because I think I'd hunted through that slough at least a half a dozen times over the years, probably more like eight or ten and this was only the second pheasant we ever flushed out of it. It looked really good. You'd have thought there'd have been birds in there, but there just never were. So here we were, you know, 100 yards back from the truck, and we had five pheasants, the three from Iowa and two from Nebraska. Well, at the truck, I watered Chaos up again, gave her a couple of hot dogs, and I decided to hit, there was a little patch across the road that from the road looked terrible, looked more like squirrel and turkey woods. Than anything you could hunt pheasants in, but I knew there was an opening in the back on the backside of a standing cornfield that was probably only about 40 acres. But I had shot a three bird limit in there one day. I think it was the second day of pheasant season. Uh, it would have been a long time ago, it was probably eight or nine years ago. And that's the only time I had ever hunted it. Well, I followed chaos back and forth through every inch of that cover, including some deep willow draws and through the standing corn, and I was determined we were going to get another rooster in there. But all we did is put up four single hens. We couldn't get to the next area I wanted to hunt because the road was washed out, and so I ended up on a CRP map ground that I'd never hunted before. But as we were pulling up, a rooster sailed over the top of the van and landed out in the middle. I don't know. This was probably a hundred and twenty acres, and so I devoted the rest of the day to working that piece of ground, and it looked good, but I think that one rooster was was the, the only bird in there. We did fly he flushed wild at about eighty yards, and that was the only bird we put up to the end of the day. To say that I was a little frustrated, um I've been trying to get this double limit for a long, long time. You guys have heard me piss and moan about it. Several times on my podcast episodes, and I know it's hard to listen to a guy whine about only shooting five roosters in a day, but I really, I really want to put that hunt behind me. And now I know there's going to be another opening weekend next year when I try again. Oh, and I also remember that I was telling everyone a month ago that I would be hunting prairie chickens and bobwhite quail in Nebraska that week. the pheasant and grouse hunting was just too good in South Dakota. On my previous trip, I I had to go back. So no, I didn't get to central Nebraska to try for chickens, and I thought I was going to be back up in North Dakota chasing pheasants and huns, but I knew my friend wasn't going to buy a North Dakota license too, so I had to put that trip on hold as well. So I have to make a new decision. I have two weeks, the first two weeks of December off, and I, a logical person would go to North Dakota for a week and try for pheasants and partridge and then drop down to South Dakota because I had to buy two South Dakota licenses, so I still have five days left on that. But I've been hearing really good quail reports out of Arizona and California I've mentioned on other podcasts that I've shot limits in multiple states of bobwhite quail, valley quail, and uh, scaled quail in New Mexico, but I've never shot a daily bag limit of gambles quail, and I would really, really like to do that. Besides, Arizona would be a much nicer place to spend December than North Dakota and South Dakota, so I really don't know which way I'm going to go. Well, as it turned out, we didn't drive straight through to our location in western South Dakota on Saturday night. I don't remember for sure how what time we got up there, but I knew I had hunted critter or hunted chaos really hard on Saturday, so I took Russ to a cane field on some walking ground that I had flushed sharptails out of uh, the previous trip. I don't know if many of you guys are familiar with cane. Kind of looks like Milo from a distance, but the seed heads aren't nearly as big. Uh, in Kansas, it grows really tall. I mean, I've seen eight foot tall fields of cane down there. I think they bale it and feed it to cattle in the winter. But in South Dakota, where we were, it probably averaged about waist high. But if you got on top of the hills, there were some spots that that were a little drier, and the cane was just barely knee high and that's where I saw the sharptails. Now, this was just on one walk. Went up there to see if there were any pheasants, and I didn't see pheasants. I needed one grouse. I already had two before I got there, and I shot one right away on the outside, but when I shot that one, a bunch of them got up in the middle on top of a hill. And if you looked at it from the road and you were thinking sharptail grouse, you'd never go in there. Everything you know, everything you've ever read about sharptail grouse hunting They are not in cover like that, but I took Russ up there. We made, we walked up one side of the field that was probably a quarter of a mile, and I think we had five grouse. Then we cut across the middle of the field, and Russ shot his third bird, and we were done probably, uh, I don't think we were hunting an hour and a half, and we had six grouse. I thought that was a pretty good way to start our our hunt in south dakota so we went back to a campground and set up for the last four days the next morning at 10 o'clock i took him to another walk-in field that was just grassland that i had shot pheasants and grouse both in on a couple of different hunts on my previous trip i missed a bird in there russ shot uh, two roosters and i shot one and there were some other guys that cut in on us when uh, they parked up on a hill and they surveyed where we were headed and they practically ran out in the field to get in front of us to work the best draw in the whole field so we had to abandon that but it was getting hot already russ didn't want to walk anymore so i went across the road and hunted some ground i'd hunted it i think I shot some sharp tails in there. I shot a couple of roosters, but it was about a mile away. This was a really big, like three sections together, but I hadn't hunted this end of it. We walked a fence line down and chaos flushed a rooster in a hand. Rooster was, you know, 40 yards out. I took one shot at him. I'll oftentimes do that. I shoot once, and if they flinch or I draw feathers, I shoot again. If I don't Appear to have hit him at all. Then I quit shooting. I took one poke at him, and I she trailed a runner for probably 80 yards. After that, all uphill, right on a fence line, and I finally gave up on keeping up with her. She flushed a pair of roosters about 60 yards. One of them followed the fence, and I saw him land about 25 yards short of a minimum maintenance road. And the other one went to a really heavy dirt tank bank that was out in the middle of this section. He probably went a quarter of a mile before he went down. When we got down to the end, she got got birdie right away. Uh, The bird followed this ditch along the minimum maintenance road for about 50 yards before he got up. And I shot him. So we were at two roosters. And then, I don't think you could have even called it a slump. It was some of the most disastrous shooting I've ever done in my life. I don't even know how many roosters she put up at 15 yards that I was so confident I was going to kill. I kept looking around behind me and beside me for because there were fe- there were a lot of pheasants in there, not, you know, dozens. But I think in the mile walk back to the truck, we probably flushed. 30, 25 or 30 pheasants and of those there were probably five roosters in easy range and i didn't get a bird I, I you know fortunately i'd been shooting pretty well the all season long so it didn't bother me terribly but it it was almost shameful to have to admit it when when i got back to the truck but the surprising thing was I didn't flush a single sharp tail in there and I always flush sharp tails in there on the bright side I knew exactly where we were going to hunt first thing in the morning on our we want the full length going down and I all I remember is we didn't shoot a bird I think we saw a few maybe they flushed wild you know it gets kind of hard when you hunt six days in a row to keep everything straight but On the way back, we were about halfway down, and I heard a bird cough. You know, it's just that one clucky cough they make. And in my experience, that's almost always some kind of a cautionary note to another rooster. If you hear a pheasant cough like that, there's almost always more than one rooster together. And they were on Russ's side of this creek. so. I got his attention. He can't hear anything. I mean, as bad as my hearing is, his is three times worse. I practically had to walk up. I didn't want to yell across the creek. But when I finally got his attention, I pointed in a direction about 100 yards in front of him, pointed down that there would be a rooster there, and he walked straight at it. And this bird coughed two more times while Russ was walking that 100 yards. When he got up there, a pair of roosters flushed. 20 feet in front of him, um, both of them flying to the left, and he made a nice double and got both of them. Not long after that, Chaos got birdie on my side of the creek, and she trailed up the side of a hill about probably 30 or 35 yards and flushed a bird. I shot him, and finally, you know, we were both on the board. And when we got back down to a low area, she flushed a, a grouse on my side, and I shot it. And I saw another one get up, and it only flew about 200 yards, and it landed in a finger on Russ's side. When I pointed over there to him, he just shook his head no. he When I caught up with him, he said, I'm just too damn tired to keep running around. It was thick cover. Again, a place you would never, ever expect to shoot sharptails. So I told him, well, cut straight across. He only had to go about 75 yards, and I said, I'll walk the 200 yards around the end. And I said, maybe you'll get a shot at one coming back this way. Well, Chaos got birdie about halfway in to my 200-yard circle. And she started putting up grouse everywhere, just out of range. I mean, 12 or 15 would get up one side. And then when they flew over, 6 or 8 would get up in another pocket. And then 8 or 10, there were at least 50 grouse spread out in that corner. Uh, probably half the size of a football field, and neither one of us got a shot at all. But it still was cool to see that many grouse. They were, they were coming out of there everywhere. But just before I caught up with Russ, there was a single that did hold, and uh, I got that one. And uh, after we rejoined, he said he's just walking straight back to the truck. He wasn't going to hunt anymore. So I circled along some low grass on the other side of the creek, Uh, Cass flushed my third grouse and I got it when we got back to the truck we had three roosters and three grouse I still don't think Russ got one in there and then after that we went to another area we drove about 15 miles and drove around and I showed him some other areas that I had hunted the week before that you know were okay they weren't great And uh, we decided to just mosey around there till dark and see what we we could find. And we came. We were driving down a minimum maintenance road. There was no ditch. They had planted wheat right up to the two track on both sides. Not even a weed left, other than some little grass in the middle of the two track. And in about three quarters of a mile on that road, we saw seventeen roosters, all of them up at the two track getting grit at about half an hour before dark. In some places, there are a surprising number of birds out there. I should mention that just before we got to that two-track, I decided to walk a corner ditch by myself while Russ sat in the truck, just because I've heard a lot about guys doing that and shooting lots of birds. And uh, Chaos flushed a hen, and then she trailed a rooster for about 20 yards, put him up, and I shot him. When I shot him, two roosters got up on the other side, but they were out in the wheat field. And uh, it wasn't posted, but I i don't know, I guess I felt like I'd lost enough birds. I didn't need to take a shot at one of those two. And I think she flushed two more hens on the way back to the truck. But So I ended up that day with two roosters and three grouse, and Russ ended up with his two roosters. I had some really good bottom land that I was saving to hunt on our fourth day, but when we were driving by the evening before, we saw three guys in there with pointers, and I kind of wrote that off because it wasn't very big to begin with. And by now, Russ told me he was just about done fasten hunting, that it was just too rough walking. He has a bad back, a bad hip, a bad knee, and a toothache from shooting his gun. So I told him, well, we could hit some state ground that had had a lot of grouse on it my very first trip out there, but I didn't even hunt the last time. We walked, it was a mile section, and we walked a good piece of it. One got up, well, there were two pairs. I knocked one down out of the first pair, and by then the other one was out of range, and the other two got up, they were out of range, and those were the only grouse we saw in there. And I had on previous hunts. I think I'd hunted it three times, and I never saw fewer than 35 grouse in there. Uh, So I took him to uh, another hill that I had finished up a limit on when I was just turning the truck around on my first trip out there. No, the second one. I had two grouse and two roosters. No, I had a limit of roosters and two grouse, and when I went to turn the truck around, I thought, that hill looks too good not to walk, and I walked up it. 100 yards and shot a grouse and I was done. He wanted to wait in the truck until he could hear me shoot so he'd know if it was worth getting out there. And I walked about a two-mile loop through those hills, never moved a grouse. You know, when I shot that one that I just mentioned, there were probably 12 or 14 grouse just on the side of that one hill. I got back down to the road to walk back to the truck, and a pair of grouse flushed on the opposite side of the road. I shot one there, and that was, my, that was my limit grouse that day. Oh, because we stopped at a wheat stubble field that I'd shot pheasants and grouse both in on my second trip, and while we were standing there talking, some guy stopped on the other end, not a quarter mile from us, and started going in. But we had Chaos out, and we had our guns loaded. And when they went in, they kicked up a flo- uh, covey of grouse, and they circled right over our heads. And I dropped one, and Russ dropped one, so I ended up with three grouse that day, and I think Russ ended up with just that one. And the last day, we decided to just hunt grouse again. We went back to another. I shot a double, and we found both of those. Russ had a single get up he dropped one, but we couldn't find it, and then he had a pair get up, and he shot a double on those, and I shot another single on the way back to the truck, and he shot a single, and we finished with six more grouse, and I don't think we've been hunting that day for two and a half hours, I suppose, and for some reason, out of these two cane fields, the first time I walked one of these cane fields I flushed a uh, chaos flush, five hens and a rooster. And the other cane field that I walked, I never I flushed grouse, but I never saw a rooster. And this trip we walked those cane fields tw- one of them twice and the other one once, and we never saw a pheasant in either one, which really seems weird out there. But anyway, I don't even know. I didn't keep terribly good track. I think we shot Yeah, we shot 18 roosters and 20, I think it was 22 grouse. It was at least 22 grouse. I know to date I've shot 30, 34 grouse and a chicken and 20, I think I've shot 22, 22 pheasants and one partridge, which really is nothing to complain about for as few days as I've hunted. I know I've averaged more than a limit of birds every day I've been out, and as I've mentioned before, um, hunting with another guy, especially another guy without a dog, it it really limits the number of birds you're going to take. I have no doubt that I could have shot a combination limit of pheasants and grouse every day had I been alone, except for that except for that one afternoon when I told you I missed five roosters, I don't think anything. And I don't think it was really five. I think it was more like four, but it felt like five. I don't think anything could have helped me that day. But I know I could have had some a really incredible trip if I had gone alone on that. But Russ is a lot of fun to hunt with. And you have to make concessions every now and then anyway. I just know that if I do make it back to North Dac- North and South Dakota this, this winter, It's going to be alone. And if I go to Arizona and California to hunt quail, it's going to be alone. I'll do some hunting closer to home with friends, with Russ and maybe Del, but I'm not going on any more long trips with another guy with just my dog. For most of the drive home on that trip, all Russ could talk about was am I going to get a dog, meaning me? Another dog, and what breed is it going to be? And will it be old enough to hunt by next fall? When I really wish he'd have been talking about himself getting a dog. Well, fellas, I'm sorry this is another short podcast, but I have to work a 20 hour shift beginning at 4 30 in the morning. Once again, this is Randy Shepard with My Dog Hunts podcast. And if your friends ask who you're listening to, I hope you speak kindly of my dog hunts.